1: So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show.
0: Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and a nutrition professor of about 20 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
1: This is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, all-around amazing guy.
2: Hey, it's Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm the creator of the Flex Diet, CERT, uh, associate professor at the Kerrig Institute, and now on almost a record of being at home. We just got extended till the, the 18th, so this is by far the longest time I've ever been home.
0: Oh, Mike, you know, one of my students just yesterday, uh, through online interactions, it's how we do it these days, he said all the gyms in Ohio are going to be closed until May 31st now. They extended it. And I'm like, oh. oh. really?
2: Oh, bugger. Yeah, we have no idea what gyms are opening around here. Like, no one has any clue, that, as far as I can tell, so... <laughs> Wow. Yeah.
1: Things closed here until the 18th, and then slowly start to reopen, from what they say,
2: Mm. That's what they kind of told us, too, but there was no definition as to what. And Supposedly, some restaurants were supposed to be able to do takeout and stuff now, but yeah. Yeah. We've
0: been doing takeout some places, even during the lockdown. Uh, Yeah.
2: We've had a few. A few local places opted to stay home. When I first got back, I went to the Chipotle, and there was like two cops standing outside, and I'm like... Oh, my God, they're going to close my Chipotle. I'm going to run in right away. What are the cops doing outside? They're like, well, they're enforcing that they can only have five people in the store at a time. uh, Policies and everything like that. I'm like, oh. You know that brings up a good point if I know this is all tangential. We'll get to
0: the material sure. soon, everybody. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I was hearing that like the feds don't want to help the states with any oh, kind oh. of direct funding or, or the municipalities, and I'm thinking, well then who's gonna pay these cops? Because if you're gonna enforce yeah. lockdown, you know, don't you need even more police doing this mm-hmm. stuff? I, I don't I, I don't know. It seems sort of backwards to me, but
2: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, the cops are enforcing policies at Chipotle. What, what has become of the world? You know? <laughs> I, I like, know. Dumb,
0: like <laughs> right. We need separation of uh, burrito and state here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Phil, you said there's some cool stuff happening in the uh, world of strength.
1: Yeah. So today, on it's going on the regular ESPN. Um, Hathor is going to try and set a new world record deadlift of. Five hundred one kilograms are over. So, what is that? Eleven hundred and four pounds, something like that. All
2: yeah, right. Third. Wow. So, yeah, well, that should be. But will be live stream. Do you think too? Yep,
1: I yep. watch. It's live stream because Rogue's doing it live stream. I have that okay. open right now. Oh. Uh, uh,
2: so it's live you know in what two hours.
1: Two hours from now, ten forty-five a.m.
2: Ten forty-five.
1: That's what it says on there. May second, ten forty-five a.m.
0: Okay. But, well, uh, you know, by the time I publish by the time it, on this, time air yeah, on air.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and I think that's Eastern because somebody posted 10 a.m. Central. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So, I'll check. um, yeah, I mean, do
2: you guys think be a good time?
1: do it? I think he's got a shot at it, yeah. I think there's a big to do. Everybody's pissing the moan. Well, half the people are pissing the moan. Oh, it shouldn't be a world record, but All Jan right. Todd came out, yeah, because it's not right. in an actual competition. Oh, shit. <laughs> but Jan, Jan Todd came out with the history of... She wrote a good piece about the history of Strongman. And she yeah. realized that most of these world records were set in circuses and exactly. sideshows and, you know, back, man. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's the history of the sport. Yeah.
2: So they nobody ever before
1: them bitched about when and where the world record was set.
2: Yeah. So, as long as someone could verify and witness it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So. Um,
1: hmm. And he's bringing in judges and everything else. Yeah. So... We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think he can pull it off, but because he looks strong at the Arnold, and yeah. I was I was surprised he didn't go for it there. Once well, he up was going the,
2: to, and then the didn't lane. he say something beforehand that he changed his mind? He wasn't going to do it because it was in competition. He wanted to just do the best he could in the competition, well, and
1: yeah, and I think it's a smart move.
2: Yeah, I, he won I,
1: the I... Arnold, you know, and if he pulled a big ass deadlift, what if he hurt himself? You know, yeah. strained something after he did it, and then didn't win the Arnold? So yeah. he did what it took to win the Arnold.
2: Yeah. You know? mm-hmm so that's cool this training leading up to it though it man some of his pulls that were heavy they they look pretty easy yeah i know (laughs) no so i think he's got it yeah that's my bet too what do you say lonnie i don't know
0: (laughs) i don't have as much of a frame of reference probably you know but um the numbers just sound absurd to me you know just I mean, absurdly high, right? I guess that's good. I mean, as long as you're going to verify it. It does beg the question to me, though, is like, uh, Phil, depending on, I don't know how powerlifting works, like, you know, how much different, I'm guessing it's a little bit stricter as far as competition lifts, but could you set a world record if you like eight ways to Sunday, you had like Eddie Cohn and a bunch of people judge you, you're like, listen, I'm a beast right now, come to my gym, I'm going to do something absolutely heroic. No, that's not going to work.
1: But in powerlifting, but in powerlifting and weightlifting, there's that standard where yeah. it, it has to be at a meet and with three judges. It's that so that's always been the case. And strongman that hasn't. Like we just talked about, right. they were in right. acts and circus shows and exactly. Yeah, it was kind of whatever you could, wherever you're at. Because it uh, it
0: it begs an interesting question though, because of the ways that we can validate things, especially you. You know, with your facility, right. and you can get three judges in there, and you could do whatever you want. Um, what are you going to say? What we, are you going to pretend? I didn't just deadlift 1100 pounds, but P- yeah, exactly. pretend I didn't do that. So, you know, I mean, yeah. it's still now sort of bragging have video.
2: I mean, yes. you have right. Video. Yeah.
1: And they're like name. live streaming this thing. Yeah. You know, he's using calibrated plates and this and that. I mean, so, yeah, yeah it'll be, it'll be interesting. So, okay.
0: Uh, One mail, we'll do the mail first. It's just a very cool tip. And then there's two little bits of science news. Then everybody today, we're going to talk about weird uh, competition tales. So Mm -hmm. things that we've experienced ourselves. We've probably touched on this in different ways throughout the years. But, you know, time move on. Listeners move on. So we'll each bring up a a couple of uh, weird things we've experienced ourselves competing. But Um, The news, no, the mail. This is from Neil. He says, howdy. Uh, I hope you and yours are staying well. I came across the article below. I thought you would find it interesting. It's from LittleCoffeePlace.com. Stay well, Neil. Now, I hadn't heard this, um, but they talk about adding salt to your coffee. Uh, So it says, according to Alton Brown, who most people should realize is, you know, sort of a food celebrity, cookbook author, food network, all that kind of stuff. Adding a quarter teaspoon of kosher salt to six tablespoons of coffee grounds neutralizes the bitterness and the acidity. Hmm. Um, mm. It says once you, if you put it in the grounds instead mm. of in the brewed cup, of course, then you could choose your preferred method of brewing. You know, it's just basically rounding out and balancing the flavors, apparently. Um, apparently, this is a longstanding tradition in northern Scandinavia, Siberia, Turkey, and Hungary. So... Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to give that a try, Neil. I hadn't heard about that Uh, for all the keto people. Uh, you know, apparently there's a bit of a loss of electrolytes, including sodium in people that are ketogenic, you
2: know, in ketosis. And maybe, so maybe this is a good thing in that way too. I don't know. Um, That was putting it in the grounds, Lonnie. I've done it, like, after it's been brewed and add some MCT and other stuff to it, and Mm -hmm. that's pretty tasty. Yeah, but They're saying put it in the grounds as you're brewing it,
0: right? Well, yeah, they're saying put it in the grounds and you could just have it on hand. But they're also saying if your coffee is sort of uh, old or bitter or, you know, just nasty in some way, yeah, you could just add it to the cup, too, Uh, if it's, like, bitter. I think about Robusta beans, you know, how because they're they're just not as tasty as Arabica beans. Um, Anyway... I so. oh, caffeine, though. No. Right. Well, right. I mean, that's why, to me, they're so valuable. I think they're something like uh, Robusta Beans are something like 30 or 40% of the market now. I'd have to look that up.
2: But wow. that used to be like, weren't they crap? Wasn't that what your coffee guy was saying, Phil? I
0: don't think so. Um, I don't remember. But, yeah. <laughs> but they're strong, like you say. But, you know, they provide the kick in the pants. And, you know, it's funny. Some of these yeah. northern Scandinavian countries, like the coffee that I was drinking when we were in Finland, it's not like the frou-frou extend your pinky experience those guys it's sort of yellowish it's a little sour kind of as far as i remember and but you know these those guys it's dark like 20 hours a day and they need a kick in the pants to go do some serious work you know it's just no nonsense stuff
2: so Uh, i i love the coffee in finland and i told the story when i was teaching in sweden last year you know normally when you're teaching in seminars it's the big things of coffee it's just kind of whatever it's just a caffeine source i'm drinking the coffee i'm like god this stuff's amazing it turns out the guy who was uh, running the gym used to be a barista and was into coffee and got up in the morning and brewed himself from the beans that were, like, literally right across the street from a guy who roasts his own beans. Bonus. And it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool stuff. Yeah, I'm going to try
0: that, uh, Neil. Uh, I might try that in my Via, like the instant coffee, because it's not as good as brewed coffee, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it will help Convenient. that. You know. Uh Okay. Here's two pieces of science news before we uh, get into some of our, our tales of competing. But. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Uh, is performing repetitions to failure less important than volume for muscle hypertrophy and strength? Uh, this is something we alluded to last week, I think. This is from Lacerda and colleagues. It is a Brazilian paper that appears literally this month, and I mean may like now uh journal strength conditioning research the aim of the study was to investigate the effects of muscle failure or not muscle failure uh on strength and muscle hypertrophy now they took 10 untrained men and this is where i'm going to want you guys to speculate like how this might differ in trained guys but uh 10 untrained men Uh, They did unilateral training protocols of of knee extension. And, you know, we've talked about that before. It just seems to be this easy go-to default, even though it's not particularly relevant. You know, I don't see a lot of bodybuilders spending all day on leg extensions as their primary mass builder. But um, three to four sets, three minutes rest on both sides, 55 to 60% of their one rep max on both sides. Uh, they assessed the strength and size and some EMG, so sort of muscle activity, before and after 14 weeks. So that's a reasonable length of time. Uh, both training protocols were similarly effective in inducing strength and muscle hypertrophy gains. It says, however, individual analysis data suggests that the non-training-to-failure um, protocol that had equal volume to the train-to-failure side may promote similar or even greater muscle hypertrophy of the vastus lateralis and muscular endurance uh, mm-hmm. when compared with the train-to-failure protocol. Uh, and it, it, they just sort of conclude that, that non-muscular failure training could be a more appropriate strategy to increase muscle hypertrophy, and then they say vastus lateralis, and muscle endurance uh, in untrained individuals as compared with the muscle failure uh, type of training. Uh, how does this? Well, let's get let's ask you, Mike, about the you know what what you think about this. Any insights about
2: the you yeah, know? All, I haven't looked at that study yet. Um, did they match volume on it? Yeah. Or did they leave volume kind of matched?
0: It? Uh, I think that's why they say three to four sets. I'm guessing that the yeah. side to failure, they squeezed out a few more reps of each of those, right?
2: And yeah. you know. Huh. Interesting. I mean, I if I, knowing that setup and I were to guess that the outcome, I would have thought the train to failure probably would have done a little bit better, especially in untrained um, subjects. Maybe you just get a little bit more motor recruitment um, from it because you are going to failure on the last set. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's always hard. And, you know, we can all sit around here and go, oh, but they used untrained subjects. But. Most studies do untrained subjects, and we also know that they adapt to pretty much anything. I mean, the good part is it was a longer study of 14 weeks, which is good. If it was super short, I'd be like, eh. um, yeah. I mean, in practice, I'm a bigger fan of just as much volume as you can accumulate, trying to keep your quality of work as high as possible. So, higher frequency, and I mean, up to a point, you know, at some point, it's just diminishing returns. You just get joint pain. But. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other stuff showing that if you do more isolation work and you're taking a lighter load, you know, then you probably have to, to go to failure, you know, and some of the stuff has been done. Like Nick Bird had the one study of 30% of 1RM on a leg extension also. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Failure. So, no, I don't know. interesting. I'll definitely, who was the author on it? I'm definitely going to pull it up and give it a read. Yeah.
0: Um, the first author was Lacerda, L-A-C-E-R-D-A.
2: Okay. Looks like Lucas Lacerda.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, honestly, it, I think about some of the guys at Bodybuilders Gym where I train or I'm sure it, at Phil's Gym. Uh, you're not going to see giant changes in things like cross-sectional area and, you know, hypertrophy of, of the experienced huge guys. And I think that maybe that's why this study, you know, you choose a noob and they've got n- nothing to do but grow. You know, they're going to yeah. change and you're going to see those change scores over 14 weeks. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Phil's going to add an inch to his quads in the next 14 weeks kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably why they use the untrained. But I, it makes me wonder, because of the train to failure thing, that if these guys are, are complete noobs, what if pushing themselves – they can't push themselves that hard. They're like, oh, that's one extra rep. Okay, I'm all done now. You know?
2: Yeah. Uh, that, that's I, where you always I, want to talk to the author and see, like, how is the study – actually done and i assume it was a supervised and all that kind of stuff too and it's one of those things that's interesting because you know when you've done studies technically it's like okay i'm done is not really anything else you can do you can't pull out a gun and be like all right you bastard two more reps you know it's like you just kind of write it down and go okay but i mean you can definitely see different levels of exertion too even though it gets reported kind of the same and Then you get into trying to make sure you qualify what the RPE is and making sure they have experience doing it and all the other rabbit holes to try to control for that.
0: And I admit, I mean, I usually pull abstracts. Sometimes I'll go pull the actual research abstract if it's a follow-up to sort of a secondary news source. But I don't pull full papers. We're going to bore people to death, you know. And it is funny about the gun thing. It makes me wonder how, you know, if things in our weird competition tales, (laughs) Phil tells a story of (laughs) Mm. a
2: a judge with a shotgun. Uh, You
0: will squat this.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, I even had that when I did the study on, you know, ride time to exhaustion. You know, we had a couple, you know, higher level athletes and it was all baseline to each individual performance and everything to try to control for that. But, you know, I had two people that ended up just not making the cut. And luckily, well, somewhat luckily, I guess they dropped out of the study, you know, but they went from an RPE and we went through the whole thing. We made sure they knew what they were doing, to explain the scale, you know, all the stuff you do. And they went from like a four, four, six. Oh, that's that's a ten. I'm done. It's like, well, well, wait a minute, what? what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So,
0: what about the reality of it in a in a brutal power gym, Phil? Um, Trained to failure versus not. Would you would you rather have someone get the same volume fresher, or you know, go for those few extra reps within a set? Mm. I mean, it's also calculated with you guys, right? I mean,
1: yeah, generally we don't train to complete failure a lot. Um, not not very often at all. If it is, it's usually early in the. In the training cycle. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the time, we're we're making sure, and a lot of this is for just mental strength. Uh, not being used to missing weights. Um, that's yeah. a big thing. So when you approach the bar, you know, you just, all you know is making it. But, I mean, to miss a rep on rep, like, 12, whatever. It <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? So... You know, maybe when we're early on, we push things a little harder. and Yeah, there'll be a misrep here and there. But in general, we don't do a lot of it. You know, it's cutting it, cut it off at a nine or an eight, you know? Yes, right. So.
0: That's what I thought. Like, power lifters are so much more calculating than bodybuilders. You know, you're like, listen, if you're out to do five sets of five, you walk away. You know, that was yeah. your dose of iron. And yep. now, Not to say you, it's invariable. <laughs> like, you're like, hey, I feel freaking great. Maybe you, yeah. like you say, you reward them in some ways with that, right? Like, yep. oh, fine. Yep. Oh, you know um pr baby you know yep
1: (laughs) yep exactly
0: so Uh,
2: yeah but and and hypertrophy is such a a weird animal too because it's almost like i talked to eric helms about this it's it's like a side effect you know it's like trying to specifically target hypertrophy training we've got a fair amount of literature on it but it almost seems more like a side effect of training right where strength you have something that's very specific yeah, you either made the lift with a single rep or you didn't and we kind of know more how to train for that where and like hypertrophy there's so many different ways that you can induce hypertrophy right there's like a much i'd say less limited way to pull a heavy single in a powerlifting meet i guess yeah
0: yeah there's a lot of variables too right yeah i mean directly like nutrition and stuff like that and, yeah you know just so many things mm-hmm. uh Okay, this next one is for anybody who has had a surgical repair. Uh, we've talked a little bit about collagen uh, in recent months about how the turnover for, you know, different type of collagenous tissue is actually higher than we once thought. We thought used to think it was real, real slow. Anyway, uh, this is from Marie Kier. KJAER. Man, help me, Mike. You're, you're sort of Norse background. Yeah. KJAER. <laughs> Kier? I don't know. Um, multinutrient supplement increases collagen synthesis during early wound repair in a random controlled trial of patients with inguinal hernia. So, this is brand new stuff from the Journal of Nutrition. It says inguinal hernia disease is associated with an imbalance of collagen metabolism. Uh, surgical stress has a negative impact on nutrients important for collagen synthesis. So they're looking at, you know, essentially providing building blocks and the necessary nutrition support uh, with hernia repair. And I'm guessing there's powerlifters out there who have, you know, blown an inguinal hernia before. Um, mm-hmm. So it says 21 men. They were 55 years old. Body mass index was 25. So they're not frail. Scheduled for Lichtenstein inguinal hernia repair. 10 of them got this multi-nutrient soup. Um, 14 grams of L-arginine, 14 grams of L-glutamine. I can't imagine that's all at once. Um, 1,250 milligrams of vitamin C and 55 milligrams of zinc daily. So they, I'm sure they must have spread that out. Uh starting 14 days before the surgery and ending 14 days after. Now, as I look at these nutrients, vitamin C and zinc have been looked at for stuff like bed sores and collagen repair yeah. and stuff for a long time with mixed results. And um, why they're adding the arginine and glutamine, I'm not 100% sure. I didn't – again, I didn't pull the whole paper. Um, they gave everybody a one – point. wicked
2: po- high dose of arginine. I, I'm surprised they don't have GI issues.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying because uh, – one The first study I was ever in, they gave us 30 grams of L-arginine to try to get a GH Ooh. release, um, and we all got diarrhea. Like, everybody yeah. got diarrhea, so <laughs> thanks. Thanks, science. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so they made sure everybody got high-quality protein, uh, 1.5 grams per kg. Uh, so – and again, it makes you wonder about why the excess – you know, something that's such a common amino acid like glutamine, but – Anyway, so everybody got a nice baseline of 1.5 grams per kg protein. They looked uh, at markers type 1 pro-collagen, pro-peptide, CICP. There's also a type 3, a type 5. um, And they looked at that in both in their serum, right, in their blood and in the wound. So they're looking for more of this stuff, essentially, more of these potential building blocks. Uh, The results... Serum Pro-C5, so that type 5 pro-collagen, pro-peptide uh, concentrations decreased post-operatively in the control group, but not in the nutrient group. So uh, uh, maybe correcting some of that n- you know, natural body response of a decrease in these building blocks. In wound flu- fluid, the CICP, so that was the type 1 stuff, increased from days 1 to 2 in the multi-nutrient group. Uh, and were 49% higher than those in the control group on day two. So not significant, but still 49% higher. So their conclusion with the, was that oral supplementation with this arginine, glutamine, vitamin C, and zinc mixture uh, augments collagen synthesis during the first two days after inguinal hernia repair. I just thought that might be hmm. interesting for any people we know. Um, even when I had my triceps reattached, you know, or my ankle rebuilt, uh, years ago, I took extra zinc and vitamin C, like after the surgery. Yeah. Just I, I, not thinking it's going to do anything magical, right? But you, you know, uh, but yeah, I just thought I would share that. Maybe people can, uh, if you guys have a surgery, re- hernia repair, or different kinds of, you know, tendon repairs, probably not a bad idea to get some extra C and zinc. And again, I'm a little more dubious about the arginine and glutamine, but I'm sure these authors have some good reasoning for that.
2: Yeah, I'd be interested, too, if it was sponsored by a company that makes the product, which, again, doesn't automatically mean it's a bad study or anything like that either. I'd just – I'd be interested how they came up with the arginine and glutamine at that high of a dose, See, too. you guys, we we
0: three have seen enough conferences that you know when you see <laughs> multi-nutrient mixture, you're like, oh.
2: Yep, that's usually a red flag for right. you right away. Like,
0: right, hmm. right, not that it's Not that it's bogus, just, right. you know, makes you raise an eyebrow, yeah. Oh, you no. Know. Anyway. All right. We are um, beyond the 20 minute mark. Let's go to break and we come back. Um, we're going to talk about weird competition tales. Just have some fun.
1: So. Hello, dear ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me, come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text the uh, Keto eBook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it, do it now!
0: All right, folks, we're back. Uh, it's Lonnie, it's Phil, it's Mike, and we're going to talk about weird contest uh, tales. Essentially, uh, Phil is our resident competitor; comp- competes constantly <laughs> in, in my mind. Uh, I know as you're older, you go for m- one heroic effort, like once yeah. a year kind of thing. But now, but you have competed. Well let's let's ask. I mean, how many contests do you think you've been involved in yourself competing? Is that an impossible I, number? I, I don't I don't know.
1: I really don't know. Um more than fifty? I don't I have I yeah. Know. A lot. So, right. Yeah. Because of a long time there, I mean hell when I was doing strongman I know when I got injured my bicep I was signed up for eight competitions that summer.
0: Whoa. So Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I had a lot. So right. I used to do a lot well that that tracks pretty well, I mean'cause you f- yeah. you figure three a year for ten years that's thirty yeah you know? yeah so um so what about um we'll just do round table like your first weird tale, something that you've seen experienced yourself mm, the one that everybody remembers if it's to do with me um
1: it was one of the first big meets at the old super training gym, and I went there and uh, that's where I hurt my shoulder, so I benched to hurt my shoulder. But uh, then they come to deadlift, and I think I pulled 750 that day. And I set the bar down, and I immediately just disappeared, went to the bathroom, didn't celebrate <laughs> anything. And everybody's like, "Where the hell did you go?" After I came out, and Jim McDonald threw a camera in my face, and uh, I pooped myself. So, <laughs> 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 and I just kind of lifted the hand, I waved, and I walked off to the bathroom. Um, and yeah, that's where I went. So, wow. that's where the whole, like, shit happens. Kind of <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that would be the first one that comes to mind yeah. that everybody thinks about. It's like, oh, he didn't celebrate or anything. You just kind of walked off. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah I had you to know, go clean up. You had to take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's funny. Inside joke, shit happens. Yeah. Well, it just, yeah. it sort of illustrates the ridiculous pressure, you know, that the body is under <laughs> during some of these things. I don't know. Uh, what about you, Mike? Weird? weird contest mem- remembrance?
2: Uh, yeah, the second one's a little more weird. The the first one, I guess, is just the first meet I did, I guess, if people are thinking about doing a meet. This is years ago. Um, I just did a push-pull uh, meet. God, this is probably 2005, 2006, something like that. And I was like, well, if I want to start coaching more people, I should probably just compete to see what it's like. And I I don't really like the idea of competing, And of course, you go through the whole thing in your head of like, "Eh, there's women there that are bench pressing more than me. And I don't know if I'm strong enough. And the coach I worked with was really awesome. He's like, just just do it. You you know, you're never going to think you're strong enough. You're fine. Just show up. Um, But unfortunately, I didn't get the email that he sent me about any of the rules. and idiot me didn't look any of them up. So the night before, he's like, hey, does your singlet fit? I'm like, singlet? what the hell are you talking about? Oh, no. and I thought it was just, just like an informal meet. It's like, no, you need a singlet. My like, oh, God. So I'm running around the night before, like just trying to find a basic uh, singlet. I was so nervous for like two weeks out. Like my digestion was just horrible. Um, I got there and it was uh USAPL meet. And so I had the wrong socks, the wrong underwear and the wrong shirt. In addition <laughs> to having a singlet, which just, barely fit you know because again i was an idiot and didn't read the rules and i'm like oh you can't have any print on your shirt so i had to flip that inside out i had like kind of a, a spandex underwear so i had to not wear any under <laughs> underwear oh under God. the singlet. and <laughs> just everything that could have possibly went wrong went wrong um the good part was i made all you know the bench press went okay i missed you know the second one because i didn't wait for any of the commands um the deadlift went good i hit all three and they had a thing that said, Oh, if you, you know, if you hit all three, you can take a fourth attempt if if you want. And I didn't even have a belt, so I borrowed a belt from some guy in the audience, and <laughs> it was just kind of a it was kind of a disaster, and I felt good once I was done. And then I kind of realized I'm like, oh, yeah, there's like a lot more stuff that goes into this and I probably should have paid attention. But I realized looking back that I was just so nervous about the whole thing that like, trying to think about anything other than just doing the lifts, like, I did not pay attention to anything else at all. So, I think just, like Phil said, just work with someone who you know is going to help you, they're going to walk you through all of that kind of stuff, especially if it's an in-person. If you have somebody there at the meet, that's super beneficial. I just showed up, like, nobody came with me, I didn't have a lift-off, so you know, the guys who ran the meet were super cool, they're like, I'll help you, and we go up there, and he's like, All right, now remember, wait for the commands, here's the commands, and so everyone was, like, super cool there, which was kind of amazing to me because I didn't know what to expect. Um, but, yeah, if you're interested, just go ahead and do it, and, you know, in the end, it'll it'll all work out all right.
0: Yeah, there's an element of bravery to what you did, you know? You just barreled forward, and you're like, I'm going to do a lot of this wrong. Screw it, yeah, you know? <laughs> pretty
2: much. <laughs> all of it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. I, my One that comes to mind for me was, it was the Mountaineer Cup. Um, this is, oh God, this must have been like, oh four, oh five. I'd have to go back and look. But the Mountaineer Cup for amateur bodybuilding—it's like a tri-state thing, so it's like a regional thing. It's bigger than just a one-state kind of championship. But uh, it, it was an afterthought. It, there was a pro powerlifting meet going on there, and there's all—I remember Ed Ed Cone was there, and he was competing against these Russian dudes. These all like, you know, these guys have like. Streaks of gray and their big beards and, you know, they're squatting nine bills. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know. So that was my first experience watching pro powerlifters. But uh, afterward, the evening thing, you know, uh, was the bodybuilding stuff. And so there's a gap of time between these things. And I remember, you know, of course, I've got diadermal on I look, you know, ridiculous by any normal standards because you're so dark to show up on stage kind of thing. And there's two things that was weird. One was I I didn't want to smear like my bronzer, you know, and this is this part I hate. I hate this stuff of the primping part of the bodybuilding stuff, you know, like you, Mike, you kind of want to just show up and just say, here's what I've got, you. you know. I um, me do the thing. I'm
2: not winning anything. I don't expect to win a damn thing. Just, let yeah. me just lift something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, my goal that, at that point was, like, I'm not sure because, you know, I always put so many years between when I would compete, you know, because not being juiced out of my mind, I can't just pack on 30 pounds. You know, like Arnold would say, just slap on those delts, you know, like adding some clay. I'm like, dude, <laughs> not me. I can't do that. So you got to wait long enough. But anyway, and so I'm – I don't want to smear anything, and I'm in my car, and Kelly, my wife, is touching me up. And this guy walks by the car, and he's looking and hears me, like, in, you know, practically a butt thong thing. And I'm lay I'm spread out, <laughs> spread eagle in the car, and she's painting me. He's probably thinking, what kind of bizarre <laughs> sexual thing is going on here? But uh, what really came to mind was when we actually, uh, during the evening show, I mean, I wanted to do well. I mean, J.M. Mannion was taking the pictures and stuff, and I mean, there was you know, it was there was some good stuff. Again, it was the little like expo because it was associated with the pro powerlifting stuff, Uh, and they delayed again and again egregiously the start time. So, if you think about back in the pump-up room, this is causing havoc. So I always like to use two and a quarter to pump up and stuff like with benching. And if I, I felt like if I just had, you know, like uh, some really silly little 10 pound dumbbell or some of the crap, sometimes they have it in these pump up rooms. It's not enough to get like, to, you know, puff up. (laughs) So we, I kind of went through this series of lifts, uh, got a good pump. And then, you know, the guy's like, no, uh, delayed by half an hour. And everybody's like, Oh, come on. You know? Um, and then a half an hour comes by. We're all getting ready to line up and go onto the stage. Oh, no, nope, another hour delay. What? So uh, this happened like three times. By the time that we got on stage, I think um, it was after 9 p.m. Um, I'm trying to remember this. But everybody's just like, you know what? Screw it. Like, let's just be done, you know, because yeah. it's, it's just so anticlimactic. And everybody's exhausted. I mean, imagine doing like... I don't. Let's say you because you know you're really kind of wired. You might do 20 reps total with some pretty heavy weights for almost every muscle group, um, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. And after a while, you're like, I got no glycogen left, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm flat. Everybody's flat and tired, and uh, yeah. So I, I think there were only like five guys in my class. That uh, I, I, I was runner up that year. Uh, but again, there was, weren't many people in the class. It's hardly anything to brag about, but. That's what I remember, the weirdness, is the delay after delay. It really showed me how bad a contest director can screw with the athletes. You know, yeah. a poorly oh, run yeah. event is incredibly bad experience. Now, I walked away pretty happy. You know, I mean, it, you know, my placing was decent, and I got some good photos and stuff like that. But just weirdness all around. It, plus, it, the Mountaineer is like a gambling resort, you know, and so – I don't know the whole thing with driving into the the West Virginia woods and stuff to do this. (laughs) All of it just seemed really odd. But, uh, how about you Phil? another, uh, contest weirdness story? Oh
1: man. One that comes to mind for me is this was early in my powerlifting career. So you're talking back in the days when powerlifting was still, uh, what would you say? It was still pretty rough. So (laughs) back in the day, powerlifting was nothing but big, hairy, mean guys. Um, (laughs) <laughs> more, more so than now. And anyways, we're, I'm going to meet, and this is a flight before mine. I'm going to the bathroom. A, a guy runs in. He's like, watch out, I need to get over by the trash can. I'm on deck, or I'm in the hole. So if you're familiar with the Powerlifting, they usually call it out like, Joe's up, Sam's on deck, Rich is in the hole. So, it's like, I'm in the hole. And it's like, okay. So it moves out of the way. This guy's in a hurry. He fucking pulls out a syringe. And he injects himself in a leg. i got to get this in me before I go squat. I was like, what are you doing? What? This is not going to help you in any way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the potential for bad is you know, much greater <laughs> right. than the potential for, for anything good to for happen. For good. <laughs> so, yeah, he runs in there and injects himself like a minute and a half before he has to squat. I hope it was raw <laughs> adrenaline.
0: Like, I don't know how yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, so that was, a, that was an odd one. Was it anabolics? I mean, you don't know. Uh, yeah, probably.
1: Uh, that's my guess. Yeah, it was, it was anabolics. <laughs> I mean, nobody really asked him, but that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> what so, the hell? And yeah, he's somehow thinking it's going to help him, you know, take a injection into his quad right before he goes up and oh flaps a bunch God. of weight on the bar, squats it. Just,
2: just one leg, too, I
0: suppose. Huh? Mm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah yep. It, it swells up twice its size on one side. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> How bizarre! Yeah, as if like yeah. it's like sixty seconds to to hero, you know. Yeah, like there's some kind of bizarre acute effect. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: like they get like the half the half life of GH is what minuscule, and uh, like the people that get popped for it out of meat is like
0: you. you that, it doesn't work that <laughs> way. No, you know? just take yeah. the day off. Just ignorant. You won't get caught. Right? You, so ignorant. You know? Oh yeah. man. Uh, <laughs> I had heard that one, Feel Oh, my. Yeah. Um, how about you, Mike? I, I guess I thought when I think about, you know, Mike, you, you, you dabble in so many different things. I thought you might have something from the grip world, but I don't know. What else, what else yeah. do you have?
2: The next one is, like, so I ended up at an international grip meet in Finland last year, um, which, so we're at the, the Arnold uh, watching my buddy Adam Glass uh, compete and some of his friends that we know. And so it's, you know, the next day I'm talking to this six foot four, like 330 pound Finnish guy who was there, Arto. And so Adam's standing next to me and we're talking to Arto and Arto's like, Adam, you have to come. You lift at my meet in Finland. Don't do worlds in Russia. not No good. You come do my international meet in Finland instead. Adam's like, well, oh, we've never been to Finland. That'd be kind of fun. And I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll go visit. You know, I've been to Finland before. I love it there. It's great. And uh, Artos like, oh yes, you should come, you you compete, and I'm like, wait a minute, like no, <laughs> you need like a special invite to to compete at this. My buddy Adams texted me, he's like, oh Mike's done like a whole bunch of events. When I was in Minnesota, I would organize a group events, and he would always come out. And Artos like, yes, you come, you compete, I give you a special invite, you come. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> oh boy, so. We went all the way over there and got a little house. My wife, uh, Jody, came over who competed. Uh, Adam's wife, Ashley, came over and competed also. And Oh. Uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. And for context, another side funny story is uh, Adam's wife, Ashley, had never seen him compete before. And Adam's like one of the top you know, competitors in the world, probably one of the strongest people, especially per body weight in the world. And so she came out to watch him do a local event in Texas, which was a medley. So, if people are not familiar with grip stuff. There's like 10 little implements and stuff. And, you know, they're usually set to be, you know, some of them are pretty hard. Like a lot of competitors may not finish all the events. And if you can finish all the events, then it's whoever has the lowest uh, times the winner. So, Adam goes through first and just annihilates them, just makes it look like it's child's play. And then she watches all these other competitors come through who get like stumped on like the third event. And she goes to Adam, she's like, when are these other guys gonna start trying? Because <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> if you haven't done grip stuff, it's just weird, you know, stuff you're picking up. So you don't have a lot of context. You know, some of the items like an axle and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. But like a penny pinch and you know some of the smaller stuff, you just have no frame of reference for it. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we ended up going over to the event and uh, competed and. <laughs> It was fun. Uh, Adam did good. Uh, his wife Ashley um, got some medals. My wife Jody got some medals. And this, another side story that was funny is like a day before the event, Arto's like, "Hey, yes, come out to to our house. We'll do we'll do sauna and jump in the lake and have a party." So we're there like the you know the day before the competition, basically drinking with all these guys, hanging out, buck naked in the sauna, and jumping into the lake. And I'm like, oh, well. so. This is how you prepare for international grip competition. I guess. Arto's yeah. like, yes, it'll be great. And <laughs> last point. So Arto made these shirts that are just bright yellow. And I asked Adam, like, out of all the colors to pick, why did he pick, like, bright yellow? Adam's like, probably because they were cheaper, right? So when, over there when they print shirts, like the colors that don't get used a lot, you can get shirts printed on them a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. So you could imagine this six foot four, three 330-pound Finnish guy who's running the meet, who's probably one of the top pinch grip lifters in the world, running around yelling, go bananas, go bananas, and <laughs> all these competitors in yellow shirts running around, and and then his other phrase, like, before anyone would go up to lift, he's like, do something!
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is also different oh, from, you know, like, in bodybuilding so competitions, everybody... <laughs> Like, everybody's self-absorbed, and they're sometimes even paranoid, and instead, this is all just, like, some weird party.
2: (laughs) Oh, it's bizarre, because, like, you know, and this is no disrespect to any of the group competitors, like, I would say 80 to 90% of them are definitely on the spectrum, you know? I mean, just, because you think about it, like, you're doing an odd thing that most people aren't. And all of a sudden you find all these other people that are doing the same odd thing you're doing. Yeah. It's like, oh, these are my family, you know, and it was just a very um, fun event to be around. Everyone was just, you know, helping each other. I think at the end of the day, you all realize that even if you place, you know, in first or second or whatever, most people don't know what you're doing. Most people don't even know what powerlifting is, much less, you know, training, you know, on top of it. So So. niche. Yeah. Yeah. So niche. But uh, yeah, it was super fun.
0: There is an element of revelry in that, right? I think if you look at almost oh, yeah. any subculture, you know, you see. Like, I think about something like everybody's from a Comic Con now. You know, some of the things that you see there, yeah. people are just, oh, I'm yeah. among my kin, <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. You know, um, well, I, you know, the social context is sort of a segue to my second one, too. I hesitate to even bring this up, but um, Rob would incessantly bust my chops about this, but it's. I drove up to Fargo, and when I lived in Minnesota, so it was a very long drive for me. And I'd, nobody from the family. This is sort of a solo thing, right? Because I mean, if I diet for twenty plus weeks, I would go all over. You know, I think I was in St. Louis the week before, and I was up to Fargo for the Northern Midwest, Mr. Midwest NPC or whatever. And but um, I wasn't tan enough, and you know, I'm an Irish guy, so I would tan some. Uh, but then, you know, you got to rely on, so, again, all this stuff I was talking about, like sprays and bronzers and all this stuff. And, and they had a tan booth, and I had never done that before. And I think it was like a hundred bucks. Now, talk about like price gouge, you know, because they know that these people <laughs> are they're, they're literally at like time zero, ground zero. If they're not dark enough, they got to do something. Uh, but anyway, so I, I sprung for a, a spray. And apparently a lot of people up there were doing that, and probably not surprising. I mean, it's Fargo, and it's, like, March, you know? So uh, – but I'm, I go in the back room, and there's this big room full of people, and I've laughed about this before. But uh, this lady goes around, and she, she hands out baby socks. And I think you guys know where I'm going with this. but uh, mm-hmm. So she hands baby socks to everybody in line. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? And apparently everybody else knew. And they just – all these guys are just stripping – and they're they, they're using these crotch socks, you know, and I'm like, this is like w- way like this is so deep in the subculture for me. Like I'm just I'm I've got one toe in this, but this is getting weird, you guys, you know, and and um, the, the women, men, everybody in this big room barely covering the, you know, anything at all, because let's face it, when you're on stage, you need to be, you know, richly brown bronze all over. And I mean all over very weird stuff. So um they hand out the socks and everybody, you know, put them on. Um, and then kind of you go in this booth and, it, you know, put your hands up and it sprays you down and everything. But that was some weird, weird stuff. Like outside of that context, it would be absolutely um deviant, right? Just straight <laughs> deviant uh, behavior. Uh, that was a very, very weird thing. So Suffice it to say, I don't think I ever, uh, I did the back room
2: spray booth
0: thing again. <laughs> it was too, too bizarre. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think even uh, just
2: physique shows, even whether it's a guy or a woman's show, just all the other things that go into it and all the, the sub industries around it from, you know, with the women, with the posing suits, which mm-hmm. can be incredibly expensive, mm-hmm. to, you know, to shoes, to the tanning, to just everything around it. And You know, a lot of the tanning stuff, especially the old stuff back in the day, and that stuff was a mess. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, God. And then people are, you know, there's like almost like the guy Phil talked about, like injecting something in some last desperate, you know, looking for a ray of hope. (laughs) It's like, how about you just prepared for this instead, you know, in advance. But yeah, people would like these vasodilator stinking like menthol smelling sprays and, uh, you know, and then the. The dark drops are running down their chests and stuff, you know, because of the mix of like the almond oil and the and the bronzer and the and the vasodilator spray. It's like you're not going to bring out those veins, bro. I mean, I remember I saw a guy sitting in in the um, like again pump up area. I think this might have been in St. Louis, and he's um, he's sitting there with a bottle of wine, and he's like, I'm trying to. It's almost like you know Arnold, you know, doing the shot, you know, in that was it pumping iron? He did that. Um, I think so wasn't it trying to just you know have this vasodilatory reaction, but I mean this guy was soft, <laughs> he's not ripped at all, you know I'm like you you can drink that whole bottle buddy that's not going to bring out anything <laughs> yeah. you know um but now, having said that, I was never hateful, I, actually as I got older and competed in the in the more mature events, you know like I, I would always do open plus masters because I, I, there's no way I wasn't going to at least do the open as well, you know even in my in my forties, but the older guys. They just had, in my opinion, they had a much more balanced view of things. They helped each other, you know, instead of, like, busting on the guy with sitting there at the bottle of wine getting half drunk, you'd be like, you know, how about you just put that down now? Let's let's focus on something else, <laughs> mm. you know, trying to be constructive, yeah. I guess. But
2: I think it's like anything. Once you've probably done that many competitions in that area, like you, I would imagine most of those guys at that level are just doing it for themselves. I mean, obviously, they want to win and they want to do well, but I think you – Probably have enough experience to be a little bit more realistic <laughs> at that point, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and,
0: you know, over the years, you might think that the, you know, the master's classes were a, a huge step down in quality from the 25-year-olds. Or, but uh, no, I know, no. I mean, especially, I think, as technology advanced over the years. I watched the master's guys. Sometimes they looked superior to the 30-year-olds, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Anyway. Okay, uh, well, I guess that's all I've got. I just thought a couple of funny tales of things that we've seen. If, if uh, You know how we're always encouraging people, put your name on the dotted line, do a countdown. Uh, I, I like a year out. For bodybuilding, that makes sense to me, but for almost anybody, because then to your point, Mike, you can read the rules, you can see what's expected, yeah. you can watch <laughs> videos, probably, you know, that people took at that specific event. You know, there's video everywhere these days. Um. You know, you can bulk for a couple of months and then you can cut for a couple of months or however, you know, each sport, whatever the demands are. But um, that way, if you see weird stuff, um, (laughs) we're just trying to give some insight, I guess, that, you know, you're not alone. Sometimes weirdness happens,
2: you know. Yeah. I also think even from my own experience, I've learned to even something with like so i volunteered at a triathlon event once and i would always after we had everything done to help the people or whatever and we're just hanging out i was just helping the first day during the event and i would just stand and watch the the transitions and you would see some very i'd say pretty elite level people when they're transitioning from the swim to the bike just completely botch it and you're like wow to me that's crazy that that's like one thing you could probably practice and save a few seconds without a lot of physical output, um, but you could see that some people had it down and they were they were like, bang, they were right on. Other people like had no idea <laughs> what was going on. Um, so it's just interesting to see, even at a higher level, sometimes how people just forget certain things that could probably make a pretty big difference to them that could be practiced just a few times and, yeah. and help quite a bit.
0: Yeah, studying studying the subculture of the event of the specific event. Yeah, it's always going to be a good idea because you're right that there's no excuse for that. You know, these guys are they're physically freaking elite, and then they drop the ball on something that simple. You know. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to be it. Yeah, for this week. See you guys. See you. Have a good one.